Well, it's another quiet day. Jerome Powell was talking at a panel at the IMF, but he didn't really add much to the story so far. He just said they're a long way off sustainable inflation and they've got their toolbox when they need it, he said. Again, uh, more countries are responding to the blood clot issue for the AstraZeneca vaccine amongst young people, even though the odds of adverse side effects are so, so small. Uh, But a quiet day today as well. We've got the RBA's financial stability review and a, a bit of inflation data for the US and China. But a quiet end to what's been a fairly quiet week. It's Friday, the 9th of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is getting ever lower, down another 0.4% on the DXY. That's down one and a quarter percent so far this month. And bond yields also falling, losing four basis points on 10-year treasuries, down to 1.63%, having been 12 basis points higher than that at the end of last month. Tech stocks are up. The Nasdaq is up 0.9%. The S&P 500 up 0.4%. Not much going on with the Dow, though. And rises in Europe too, 0.8% for the FTSE 100, half a percent for the Eurostoxx 50, and a bit more for the CAC 40, the Aussie dollar, which had that big fall yesterday, is up half a percent today, more than any of the majors. The euro is up 0.4 percent. The pound is down a little, a half percent rise in the Japanese yen, which has added to the fall in the US dollar, or perhaps it's uh, the other way around, perhaps it's because of it. And uh, there we are. They're the numbers that are sitting in the head of Tapas Strickland, NAB's Director of Economics for Markets in Sydney. Not, you know, there's probably a lot of space in your head because there's not a lot going on uh, right now. Uh, But let's look at uh, job numbers to start with perhaps initial jobless claims for the week of the 27th of march they didn't keep falling they actually climbed back a little uh, which uh, goes against what we saw with the non-farm payrolls uh, last week um so uh, yeah a bit of confusion perhaps over job numbers what to believe uh, good morning phil i guess you can best characterize the market at the moment is broadly in consolidation mode and uh, there has been a real dearth of any top tier e- um, economic data so um, it has given markets uh, time to reflect a little bit in terms of uh, recent economic developments and just regarding the kind of cyclical rotation that we're seeing just given the decline in yields we have seen over the past week uh, you're actually starting to see uh, flows back into the tech sector so apple microsoft amazon are up around four percent this month after falling in march so it does suggest a little bit of consolidation occurring within the market at the moment Um, As for that US jobless claims, uh, it it was a little bit concerning. Um, So jobless claims came in at 744,000 versus 680,000 expected and 728,000 previously. And that comes after the very strong March payrolls data where payrolls did increase by about 916,000. So it has got some people wondering uh, which one is telling you a more accurate story in terms of what's going on in the labor market at the moment. Is it elevated jobless claims or is it the recent surge in payrolls that we're seeing? Um, It does look like uh, it's more leaning towards the improvement in the labor market. So when you look at alternative data such as job ads, um, so job ad postings on Indeed uh, are now 16% above where they were in February 2020. So that does suggest that there is a lot of labor demand occurring in the US at the moment. And uh, we're quite confident that you'll continue to see those very strong payroll numbers over the coming months. And indeed, that story has also played out in Australia. So Seek, uh, which is Australia's largest job advertising uh, website um, 
has job ads, I think, around 24% above pre-pandemic levels. So mm. uh, wherever you are in the world, as you ease up on those restrictions, you see a very sharp pickup in labour demand. It is the structure of employment, though, isn't it? Jerome Powell was talking at the IMF today, and he uh, made the point that the unemployment rate in the bottom quintile of workers in the United States is still at 20%. And, of course, you know, he said that the Fed will just keep on going until they've solved that particular problem. Uh, definitely. And uh, Powell also noted, and I think this is worth reflecting on as well in terms of the Fed's wanting to achieve uh, full employment, that on his commute home, it takes him past the substantial tent city. And uh, that makes him think of the millions of Americans who are still trying to get back to work. So that is definitely front and center in terms of the Fed's thinking here. And we're not really going to see too much in the way of movement in terms of guidance in terms of the Fed until you start making more substantial progress in terms of getting back towards that full employment Level And indeed, that's pretty much what most Fed officials are saying at, at the moment. Yeah. The other thing that Jerome Powell was saying uh, at that IMF talk was that uh, they expect uh, inflation, but it's it's not going to be persistent inflation. He says persistent inflation uh, means it's going up, prices going up year after year. He doesn't expect increases due to tight supply are going to be repeated year after year. But look, it might be a different story in uh, New Zealand. So we had the ANZ Business Survey for New Zealand yesterday. Inflation seems to be one of the big concerns there. So what happens? Say inflation does get up to 3% and it is sustainable. Uh, does the RBNZ have to, uh, have to act uh, possibly years before anyone else? And what are the consequences of that? It's, it's a very good good question. And uh, it's very hard to tease out exactly what is uh, temporary here and what is going to be a more permanent impact in terms of inflation. Uh, within that ANZ Business Survey New Zealand, a net 53% of respondents were expecting to raise prices. And that's a new record high for that series that dates back to 1992. Uh, I think two broad things are going on in the New Zealand economy at, at the moment. And uh, the first one is the lack of low cost labor. And that is also a story playing out in Australia as well, just given those international border restrictions. And the New Zealand government is trying to um, allow some kind of Pacific bubble to occur uh, that would enable uh, some uh, resumption of uh, the migration inwards of low-cost labor. So that may actually start to ease pressure in that sense. And then all the supply chain disruptions that we're seeing right across the world, that is definitely leading to um, retailers at least testing the ability to pass on those higher costs to to consumers. But when you look at the broader themes around uh, how prices are determined and what drives inflation, in order to get a durable lift in inflation, you really need to see wages growth uh, lift. Uh, Mm. And at the moment, at least, uh, you're not necessarily seeing that in many parts of the world. Now, just a few weeks ago, we were all looking in concern at rising bond yields, wondering what was doing that. Was that because of inflation concerns, particularly in the United States? But April has told a very different story, hasn't it? Uh, Bond yields are still higher than they were, but firmly on the way down. In fact, uh, another four basis points down today for 10-year treasuries. Yes, that's right. So uh, the US 10-year is currently yielding 1.63%, and that's uh, well below the kind of um, almost 1.8% levels that it did get to uh, in late March. Uh, And what is driving that? It seems like it's broad consolidation there after yields had moved higher after after some time. Uh, And there had been some discrepancy, and that discrepancy still continues uh, to some extent between what the market is pricing for the Fed and what the Fed is actually saying. And it does look like a few people in the market are switching more towards um, taking on board what the Fed is saying in terms of the outlook for rates, and that the Fed is very much um, trying to drive towards obtaining that maximum uh, full employment level. 
Now, two words we are seeing on the front page of many newspapers around the world today, AstraZeneca, because the uh, the vaccine, more and more countries now preferring not to use it for younger age groups because of concerns about blood clots. The, the UK included amongst them. Australia now also included. So this could slow things down, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't seem to have impacted the markets too much. I must admit all this news, although perhaps it is responsible for the fall that we're seeing in the value of the pound uh, again today, as well as uh, yesterday today. But what is the big concern is if uh, you've got countries that are having to pick and choose which vaccine they're using for different age groups, then there's a lot of logistics behind that that didn't exist before. Plus, you know, there might be some more scepticism arising because of all of this as well. So it could just slow down the rate of vaccines, but also the, the total number of people getting vaccinated at the end. And that could have consequences. Uh, definitely. When you look at where the AstraZeneca rollout was uh, to occur, at least in the advanced countries. Uh, it was Europe, UK and Australia. And in Australia um, domestically produced AstraZeneca I think was accounting for about two thirds of Australia's projected vaccine supply. So it's quite important in terms of the Australian vaccine rollout. Uh, markets though still continue uh, to be able to see that other side of the recovery given that this uh, probably pushes out the recovery by a couple of months but doesn't necessarily stop the recovery. Uh, and you can kind of see that in the US at the moment where 76% of the over 65 years population have received one shot and 57% have received the full two doses of the vaccine. So that secular story of a pickup in the US economy on the back of relaxation of social distancing restrictions will likely continue and that should see risk markets continue to price the other side. Um, as for Australia's rollout, uh, so Australia has recommended not using the AstraZeneca vaccine for those aged below f 50 years and instead to use the Pfizer-BioNTech one. Um, I was just looking at the population data then and there are currently 11 million Australians aged between 18 to 49 years. And so those 11 million Australians would have to wait until uh, the Pfizer vaccine is available. Uh, there's around 8.5 million people greater than 50 years. Um, so the AstraZeneca rollout in Australia could continue uh, with those people. And importantly, uh, you could probably get those second doses underway for that population age group. So uh, while the uh, limitations in terms of the use of AstraZeneca is problematic for the rollout, uh, it does suggest that the rollout could, can, can continue at least for the next couple of months, just given uh, still low vaccination rates in the age groups over 50 years. And today, uh, the RBA's financial stability review is out. The RBNZ's chief economist, uh, Huang Ha, is uh, speaking at the City 2021 Spring Virtual Macro Forum as well. Uh, I guess, you know, uh, we've got the RBNZ meeting next week, so perhaps he's not going to say too much. Yeah, I wouldn't think you'd get much from the RBNZ's hard, just given how close the RBNZ meeting is. Uh, as for the RBA Financial Stability Review, we'll be looking quite closely in terms of the commentary around the housing market and the recent acceleration in house prices uh, to see whether that is giving any hints towards the RBA and APRA thinking of tightening macroprudential policy. Uh, what we do know so far, though, is the RBA board meeting on Tuesday suggests the RBA is not there uh, and that they're just monitoring trends in housing borrowing carefully. Uh, and they're highlighting the importance that lending standards are maintained. And just worth noting, APRA last week had assessed that there had been no deterioration in lending standards in aggregate. So it doesn't seem like there's any imminent tightening in macro prudential regulations in Australia. Right. We also get PPI and CPI for China and PPI for the US as well. We get German industrial production. We get unemployment numbers for Canada as well. Uh, I'd suggest nothing much to change the world there. Are you going to be watching anything closely? No, we'll, we'll be looking uh, quite closely at the China CPI and PPI 
data, but just worth mm. noting there's some pretty large base effects occurring just given uh, the pandemic hit uh, this time last year in, in China. So uh, it, I think a little bit more cloud uh, will be around th- those figures there. Right. And look, one to watch, maybe nothing, but watch the, around the Black Sea. CNN is reporting that the US is considering sending warships there because of these uh, tensions between Russia and the Ukraine, mainly because Ukraine has been taking part in, in NATO military exercises. No love lost between those two. Uh, we'll see how all that develops. We'll leave it there for now, though. Thanks, Tapas. Great. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that is it. That's the morning call for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again on Monday morning for another one. See you then. Thanks for listening.